You're listening to the Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. Welcome, welcome back. It's the Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. This is Jacob here. Sorry, it's been a couple of weeks since our last podcast, but we're back here on... Uh, today is Wednesday night. It's June 30th. That's the last day of June, so if you're paying rent for an apartment or whatever, uh, this is your reminder that rent is due tomorrow, so you can thank me later. Um, yeah, June 30th. Tomorrow's July 1st. It's the last day of the work week for me. Get Friday and Monday off from work as it is the holiday weekend. So, happy Independence Day to everybody. Have a safe and fun weekend, whether you're going to the lake, going to watch some baseball, traveling, doing whatever you're doing, shooting off fireworks. Let's have a fun, safe weekend, safe travels for everybody. And yeah, happy Independence Day. Happy Fourth of July. Uh, probably my favorite holiday. Got some good memories shooting off fireworks. Uh, cornhole tournaments with the family and uh, I'm actually heading up to South Dakota to see some family this coming weekend um, extended family uh, it's my grandma's 80th birthday party her birthday is not until August but we're celebrating it early this year just so everybody has off for the 4th of July and it kind of works out pretty nicely for everybody um, so yeah happy 4th of July for everybody safe travels for myself uh, fun things I have been doing uh, tonight. I, I just got back from a Springfield Cardinals game. Springfield Cardinals Double A baseball affiliated with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. They were playing the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. Uh, rainy, rainy night, doubleheader. So they had a seven inning game, and they're probably still playing game two right now. I just decided I wanted to peace out a little early. Watched the first inning of game two and. Uh, Springfield was already down two to nothing or something like that, so I said peace out. Um, Bobby Witt Jr. having a good night for the AA Royals affiliate, North uh, Northwest Arkansas Naturals. Um, Springfield Cardinals are not a great baseball team right now, that is for sure. Uh, Nolan Gorman, a prospect for the St. Louis Cardinals, got called up to Triple A Memphis Redbirds on uh, I want to say Monday. Uh, he was having a good year for the Springfield Cardinals, now is in AAA, so congrats to him. Uh, another person that the Rockies could have gotten in a trade. I'm still incredibly surprised that the Rockies did not try to get Nolan Gorman. But nonetheless, uh, Delvin Perez, shortstop for Springfield, had three hits tonight, or maybe four, I can't remember. Um, but he he's a bit, pretty big prospect for the St. Louis Cardinals. And then Bobby Witt Jr. had a couple hits tonight. Uh, for the Royals organization, along with Nick Prado, the first baseman for the AA affiliate of the Royals. So the Royals have a couple of good guys coming out of uh, AA right now. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if uh, Bobby Witt Jr. didn't come up to the Royals by the end of the season, about September, considering that the Royals season is over, but we're not going to dive too much into that tonight. Um, last weekend, my sister and her boyfriend came to town, so that was a good time. Uh, Friday, we went out to Ty and Timber here in town, had some uh, beers at the local brewery at the beer garden with some live music. That was pretty fun. And then Saturday, let's see, what did we do Saturday? Uh, went to Backwoods Golf, went to do some shopping, went to the 
Bass Pro Shop. So, um, what else did we do? We did a lot of stuff this week, uh, this past weekend. Uh, it was already a couple of days ago. And uh, yeah, I think that's all I have. Shout out of the podcast. Shout out of the podcast is my sister, Kaylin. Thanks for coming out to Springfield. We'll see you this weekend. Safe travels. They went down to Branson to continue their summer vacation. They are t- both teachers, so they get to have fun all summer. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're we're still here working in Springfield. Here we go. Um, yeah, that's a shout out of the podcast, and we're going to jump right into the coaches' archives. All right. Coaches' archives trivia segment. This trivia segment is going to go back to baseball as – as you recall from our podcast two weeks ago, we tried to do some NFL. We tried to do some Denver Bronco trivia, and I did very poorly. So we're going to jump back into Kansas City Royals trivia. This is our second go-around. The first time I think I got six or seven questions right. Hopefully we can beat it. Um, it might be a little tougher this time around, but uh, we'll see. Um, so, yeah, here we go. Question one for the Kansas City Royals Coaches Archives trivia. Which manager replaced Jack McKeon in 1975? Bob Lemon, jo- uh, Jim Frey, Dick Hauser, or Whitey Herzog? Uh, Whitey Herzog. That's right. One for one. Good start. Whitey Herzog replaced McKeon in 1975, and the Royals quickly became the dominant franchise in the American League's Western Division. Number two. Who threw the first no-hitter in Royals history? Saberhagen, David Cohn, Steve Busby, or Jim Colburn? Well, I'm going to say Saberhagen. Busby. Steve Busby pitched the first no-hitter in Kansas City Royals history, defeating the Detroit Tigers in 1973. So that was before Saberhagen. Number three. Who was the first Royal to hit 40 home runs in a season? Steve Baboni, Jorge Soler, Bo Jackson, or Mike Moustakis? Um... I want to say I'm pretty sure it's Mustakis, and then Solaire did it last uh, in 2019, but pretty sure it was Mustakis. It wasn't, so he beat Balboni's record. I'm confused. Oh, it was Solaire. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Mustakis broke the record, but it wasn't 40 home runs. Okay, and then Jorge Solaire hit 48 home runs. I did not know that. Okay, I was so sure that. I I wonder what that record was when Mustakis um broke it. It had to have been like upper thirties. I thought for sure it would have been at least forty. That's kind of a bummer. I got that one wrong. Alright, so Jorge Soler broke uh only Royal to hit forty home runs, and he's doing dreadful this year. <laughs> I think he's only got well let's just look that up. Jorge Soler stats. Let's see, 81 strikeouts, 6 home runs, 28 RBIs in 238 at-bats. So not quite 48, but this is the Royal season. (laughs) Alright, number 4, we're 1 for 3 right now. What year did two Royals finish the season with more than 200 hits? 1980, 2010, 2000, 1990. Uh, I'm going to have to say 1980 because I think they made the World Series a year. Crap. Um, 2010. 2000. Mike Sweeney at 206 and Johnny Damon at 214 in the 2000 season. But the Royals still finished fourth 
Bummer. Okay, sorry, sorry. Number five. One for four right now. Number five. Which member of the Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame has admitted to corking his bat? George Brett, John Mayberry, Hal McRae, or Amos Otis? Um, I have no idea. Amos Otis. All right. <laughs> we got one. Uh, who batted 277 in his 17-year career, admitted in 1992 that using a cork bat about half the time helped me a great deal. Um, he also said, I'm in the Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame and also in the Hall of Shame. That's when you cheat in the big leagues. I mean, what's worse? I mean, really, what's worse, corking your bat or doing steroids? I mean, he only hit 277, so it couldn't have hit him, ha- helped him a great deal. I mean, how many home runs did he hit? Um, this says 193. So, how much did it help him, really? <laughs> unless, unless he was hitting so poorly that it went, boosted his average from 220 to 277, and then he just wouldn't have been in the Hall of Fame, I guess, for the Royals, but... Yeah, I guess. Whatever. Uh, number six. We're two for five. Number six. What is the Kansas City Royals mascot? An elephant, a bee, a monkey, or a lion? It is definitely not an elephant. It's a lion. And his name is Slugger. <laughs> Slugger, the lion whose mane looks like a crown, made his debut as the official mascot of the Kansas City, Ro- Kansas City Royals April 5th, 1996. Um... Okay. Number seven. So we got three so far. Which player holds a single season franchise record for RBIs? Hal McCray, George Brett, Jorge Soler, or Mike Sweeney? Oh boy. I'm torn. I mean, Jorge Soler hit all those home runs. But is it Mike Sweeney or George Brett? I'd don't think it's Hal McRae. Um, I almost don't want to say it's Jorge Soler just because the Royals weren't that great that year, so I don't think there are that many guys on base. I'm going to say George Brett. Uh, it was Mike Sweeney. In 2000, Mike Sweeney finished with 144. Hal McRae has 133 so he was second so i wonder wonder what george brett's total was for a season three four seven we got three more which royals batter had the most strikeouts in a season steve balboni bo jackson hunter dozier or jorge soler that's a trick question it's bo jackson <laughs> balboni soler thing i knew it so here yeah here we go so even though he hit 48 home runs he still struck out 178 times so how many times has he struck out this year 81 so he's basically on pace to match that so thus is the royals (laughs) um so we have three get two more Try to get five. How many games did the Royals lose in 2005? Um, they were really bad that year, weren't they? Uh, 106, 101, 91, or 96. I'm going to say 106. Yep, they were they were pretty bad. <laughs> but 
The Royals set the franchise all-time record for losses in 2005, 56 and 106, 43 games out of first place. That's kind of what we're on track for right now. Sorry, Brownie, again. It's kind of late when I'm recording this, but I wanted to get this done tonight. So what are we, what are we right now? I don't even know. I know we're at least like 12 games below 500. Um, we'll get to that later. So we got four. Let's try to get five. Who was the first Royals pitcher to win the Cy Young Award? I know this one. Uh, David Cohn, Zach Greinke, Brett Saberhagen, or Kevin Appear? Uh, it was Zach Greinke, and I think it was in 2009. And I don't even think Zach Greinke even wanted the award. Oh, he wasn't the first one. It was Saberhagen. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> I could have sworn it was Greinke was the first one. I thought I'd seen a video of that. 1985, Saberhagen went 20-6 and with a 287 ERA. Won the American League Cy Young. Also led the Royals to a World Series. Championship was the MVP of the World Series. Wow. Only got four right today. I'm really terrible at this. <laughs> uh, bear with me, everybody. Jeez. Hopefully we get better. We need to find some easier ones. We'll just do uh, do some like math or <laughs> probably still get those wrong too. But um, All right. that's That concludes our coaches archives for this podcast we went four for ten um we failed we failed <laughs> or i did i don't know about you but um next on the dock is mlw all things mlw this podcast i uh, don't have a lot to talk about the royals but we got two series to talk about mallards versus preds and wildcats versus magic these two series conclude the uh first or the uh, second month of the season so um, each team has played six games so far, two series apiece, and then we're going to talk about our uh, MLW All-Star ballot, so my my picks for the All-Star and my reasons why. Um, and then after that, we'll conclude the podcast with our MLW or MLB uh, standings, as we typically do. So uh, you're listening to the Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. Now a word from our sponsor. Hey all you sports and health nerds out there, it's Jacob here. If you are having trouble finding an exercise routine, trying to find a good diet plan, or just looking to change things up, might I suggest checking out 8minutefitness.com. There are multiple articles to click on to meet your health and exercise needs. Learn about basic exercises for beginners, read about the best green superfood, and also the best sports drinks to order at a gas station. Even exercises for fishermen trying to perfect their casts, and much more. From experts to beginners, 8-Minute Fitness is for you. Hey, Royals fans. So, um, remember when I said... Um, when was that last podcast? Whenever that last podcast got posted, that we had a road trip with New York and Texas and Boston. And I said, this was the anchor of our season, right? Well, I was right. <laughs> I said, I was hoping we would at least go 500, even slightly below 500. Um, but nonetheless, the Royals don't fail to disappoint. Um, they're losing tonight in Boston, 6-2. to two. That game is about to be wrapped up. One more game tomorrow in Boston. 
lost the first two games of the series, 6-5, 7-6. The Texas series was absolutely miserable. Got outscored 21-5 in three games. I lost all three of those games. Um, and then before that was in New York. We lost games two and three. Could have won game two. Uh, one game won 6-5. But uh, we are one and... Let's see... One and eight on the road trip. About to be one and nine probably tomorrow. So, um, let's see. Five, six, seven, eight. Eight losses in a row again. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's getting much tougher to talk about the Royals. Yeah, it's just like not exciting. So, <laughs> that's enough about them. Uh, we need to find a new team to root for. <laughs> that's all That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, let's go ahead and jump into some MLW. A um, couple games on the dock today. Uh, Mallards versus Predators. And the Wildcats versus Magic. The Wildcats versus Magic being the most recent video posted the last Friday on June 25th. Um, the next video is being posted on the 2nd. I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head which teams played... After the Magic and the Wildcats, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's probably the Cobras and whoever they played. Um, so, uh, Mallards and Preds. Um, this series was a very interesting one. Kind of a pitcher's duel between Bonham and Cratch, which was, Bonham has been probably one of the biggest surprises. I would say he's he would be the most improved. I'm pretty sure that's... Uh, an award that they hand out at the end of the year, but from last year to this year, hundred uh, percent the most improved player. Um, he's not. He's become an outstanding pitcher and an outstanding hitter. And if I if I were were to go that far, but um, Preds win the series. They do win the series two games to one. Um, the Mallards win game one two to uh, four to two, and or the Mallards win. Yes, sorry, I'm stumbling. Mallards win game one, four to two, and then lose games two and three, uh, 12 to six, and one to nothing. Uh, game three was a one to nothing, six inning uh, pitcher's duel between Bonham and Cratch. Uh, Cratch did get the uh, walk off single, the game winner, in the, or not the game winner, but the go ahead run in the top of the sixth inning. Uh, Mallards could not find a way to cross a run in the bottom of the half of the inning. So the, the Preds win the series two games to one. And we'll jump right into our biggest winner of the series. Biggest winner of the series, the Preds kind of found a second pitcher. I I don't I didn't really know who else to give the biggest winner of the series to. Um, I mean, I guess it, the hitting as a whole, it seems like they in game two at least it came to life. Um, games one and three not so much, but if you're gonna take a positive away from the the Predators in this series, they found a second pitcher. And that second pitcher in Stephen McGlade, the rookie, um, did not show out, but he did have some stuff. Uh, did get the win in game two behind a strong offense. Struck out six, allowing six runs. Um, and he's probably the best option um, that the Preds have for a number two pitcher. Um, you have Warda, who's always tried to bend that pitcher, but he came out and pitched one game in the first series and got out, and I don't think he pitched very well. Um, and then you got Rudy Ramirez, 
Um, he came out in garbage time against the Magic. Pitched fairly well, I'm not going to lie. Uh, the, the, the Preds did lose that game, um, I believe, 10-1 to or 10-5. to or um, They gave up a lot of runs. The starter for that game gave up a lot of runs. So Rudy Ramirez may be a number two, but um, the Predators are um, moving towards a number two to back up Ryan Cratch, especially as they move on later in the series, in this season. Um, so yeah, uh, Predators do win the series. They, they find their number two pitcher. Let me pull up the Predators schedule really quick to see who they have left. Um, the toughest part about that, that's the most important thing about having that number two, uh, pitcher is later on in the season, you're not going to want to lose you're not gonna want to get a swept by uh uh by team. Uh, Cratch, I don't believe, has the ability to get beat twice. He do- he has been beaten once this year, but so the Predators lost a game to the Magic and they lost a game to the Mallards, and I predicted both of those games series to go to the Predators. Um, but they still have the Cobras, Wildcats, and D-backs left. So they have probably one of the tougher schedules left out of the remaining, out of probably the, all, all the teams left. The Cobras are a very solid team. If they if they want to play well, they will play well. The Wildcats, we'll talk about them in a second, but they did just come off a very strong series uh, against the Magic. And, of course, the D-backs are probably the best team in the MLW right now. So having that second pitcher... Being able to work him in against the Mallards, who aren't as, as strong of a hitting team as most teams are in the league, being able to work McGlade in and having that run support to give him some confidence to at least get some control over his pitches, I think that was a pretty big deal for the Predators. So biggest W of the series, Stephen McGlade, Predators finding a second pitcher. And also uh, the Preds are now 4-2, and two, sole possession of first and AL followed closely by the Cobras and the Wildcats. Okay, biggest L of the series is, drumroll, the veteran, and I think everybody saw this coming if you watched the video, Tommy Coughlin. Tommy Coughlin took the biggest L, formerly a Cy Young winner, um, did not pitch as we are used to seeing him pitch. Um, Obviously, one reason is his injury is very apparent. Um, and that's possible that it has affected his control over his pitches. Um, you know, in, in the, in the one game he did pitch, he gave up 13 runs and walked 12 and only struck out three. So I don't know if it's just getting older, um, not getting enough practice, not getting enough exercise. I don't know what the deal is, his injury, but Tommy did not look like himself at all. Um, usually he's, way more dominant, especially the last couple of years, the year they won the World Series, um, 2018 when they made the World Series. He was incredibly dominant. Nobody could hit his gypsy drop. Um, he got mercy twice by the Predators. Now, granted, the Predators are probably the second best hitting team in the league right now behind um, the Diamondbacks. Um, but, yeah, Tommy Coughlin taking the big ol' L in that series. Mallards fall to three and three and are still alone in second place in the NL. The NL followed by um, the Eagles and the Gators tied at two and four at three and four or at tied at tied at the third and fourth spots in the NL at two and four. Um, 
And then the Mallards following behind the Diamondbacks, who are 5-1. and one. So, uh, that wraps up that series. Uh, Predators win that series. Two games to one, two to four, six to 12, and one games to nothing. Six innings in game three. Um, and yeah, that wraps that one up. We'll head over to the Wildcats and Magic. Wildcats win the series two games to one. They lose game one. The Magic scratch away a win as the Wildcats offense falls stagnant, not scoring a single run in game one. And meanwhile, the Magic offense comes to life late. And they scratch away a win and a, a very powerful Wildcats team. The Wildcats were one and three at one point. And then they come back to wins, win game two and game three very convincingly, 18 to one and seven to nothing in games two and three. Uh, Wildcats are a very good team. They're bouncing back very quickly. Um, let's look at their schedule moving forward. Wildcats have yet to play the Cobras, and they have yet to play the Eagles and the Predators. Um, they did play the Mallards. They lost that series, and then, they, of course, they played the Magic. Bouncing back, now they sit at 3-3. Three and three. So, the Wildcats, biggest winner of the series for the Wildcats is the legend, the commissioner, the person behind the curtain, Kyle Schultz. Uh, very, very big series for him after coming off a very, uh, I want to say slow series against the Mallards, but has did play a lot better and basically leads the league and everything. Now, we'll get to that in a minute. We talk about our all-star ballot for myself. Uh, Mikhail Schultz on the mound, 14 Ks in six innings of work. Uh, he did lose game one, um, did not have the run support as he would like, but he did come back and pitched a no-hitter in game three, winning that game 7-0. Uh, I believe he is 2-2 two and two on the season. I'll have to go back, fact-check me. But And then on the offensive side, 10 hits in the series and leads the league in average at 519 and had 12 RBIs in the series. He's got more hits than some teams do, I believe, if I am not mistaken. Um, but yeah, Wildcats are now 3-3, three and three, tied for second in the AL with the Cobras. Um, and then I guess if you could say a second winner for the Wildcats is Nick Saylor is a solid number two for the Wildcats. Um, like I said before with the Predators, a solid number two is definitely needed later you go on in the season the closer we get to the playoffs. Um, so good for the Wildcats winning that series. They have a tough go of it here from here on out. Um, I do have them beating the Cobras. I have them um, winning the Predator series, but I have them losing the Eagles. Granted, I did make this prediction before the season. I, I really don't think that's going to happen anymore. Um, and of course, they've already played the Mallards, so... Um, yeah, I think that's that's it. Um, yeah, and then we'll move on to the biggest L of the series. Who took the L in the Wildcats Magic series? Well, it was the Magic. Magic is not real. The Magic team isn't real as well. Um, <laughs> they only gathered up seven hits in three games. Um, again, Kyle Schultz had ten by himself. Um, they gave up a total of 25 runs and 29 walks as a team in three games. Um, granted, 11 of them were by their number two and number three pitchers, 11 by Liam Jackson, seven by Jack Agner, and those were all in game two. And it's a too bad that uh, Liam Jackson did not come out to play very well. Uh, I, I think he 
he's had a slow start this year. Last year, he came in halfway through the year and really turned around their season. I think people have kind of figured him out since then. Um, Magic are, and I don't want to be mean or anything, but I'm going to be blunt. Magic are probably the worst team in the league right now. They're lucky to be at two and four. Um, but give them credit. They did win a, one game against the Preds, and they did win one game against the Wildcats. So give them credit. Give them credit where credit is due. They do still have a lot of talent, but it's without that starting pitching. I mean, Chadwick tried his best, but the hitting did not come around very well in this series. I mean, they only had four four runs in the entire series. Chadwick basically had uh can't not remember, but Chadwick can't I mean he, he can't pitch game two or he can't pitch all three games. And then in the, in the game three that he did pitch, he still gave up seven runs. Um, he can't be the whole offense. He's got to have these other guys around him to really balance out. You know, they the other team doesn't really have to pitch to Chadwick. They can pitch around him as much as they want. But he's not even doing so well, so teams don't even need to pitch around him. And if, even if he was doing well, the guys around him need to pick up the slack a little bit so that Chadwick can be that timely hitter hitting those late game home runs, um, getting on base and letting those other guys hit him in and, and then getting that comfortable lead where he can come out on the mound and really dial in his dial in his pitches and hit the zone. But from what I can tell, and of course we can't see the entire at bats. Um, cause we just see the last pitch of every at bat if you watch the videos. Um, but it, when he's walking guys, when we see that ball four, it's it's just never really close. He's not particularly around the zone. So Magic have some something to work on internally, I guess. Um, I still think they have a chance to I mean they really do need to win some games. I mean let's let's check out their schedule as well. So the Magic have the Cobras and the Gators and the D-backs. So not the easiest schedule in the world, but also not the hardest. The Gators are not incredibly impressing me so far this year. Um, and the Cobras series could be very winnable as well. Um, D-backs, I don't see that as being very winnable. So I would say they have one of the easier schedules from here on out. So I could see them still making the playoffs. But then again, that you'd have to count on the Cobras to basically fall apart and... Either, either the Cobras or the Wildcats, because it's not going to happen to Predators. And it's more likely to happen to the Cobras, which I really don't see that happening to the Cobras this year. Um, so, biggest L of the series. Magic can't pitch. Magic can't hit. They fall at 2-4. and four. They are in last place in the AL. Uh, that's a wrap for those two series. Um, I'll have to double check. I'll come back. I'll take a break and I'll come back with my um, total, my overall uh, record and my series record for my predictions. Um, and then we're going to go ahead and um, update you on the standings. So in the NL, the Diamondbacks are in first place at five and one. The Mallards are in second place at three and three. And the Gators and Eagles are tied for third at two and four. Over on the AL side, the Predators are in sole possession of first place at four and three, or four and two, and the Wildcats and Cobras are tied, uh, 
uh, in second at three and three. And the Magic are in last place of the AL in at two and four. You're listening to the Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. It's 11.44 here in Springfield, Missouri, in the beautiful land that is the Ozarks of America. Um, I am slowly getting towards my last brain cell. But first, the all-star ballots are out for MLW. Go to MLW. um, Go to their website on the homepage. You can click on the link to vote for your all-star players. For each league, the NL and the AL, you get to choose seven players from each league. doesn't even have to be one from every team. You just choose seven players. And the seven players get to be in the All-Star game. Now, if some players cannot make it, they will fill in with somebody who is deserving of that spot. Um, And I cannot remember whether the... I'm fairly certain that the managers from the last World Series get to be on the team regardless of what happens. So that means um, from the AL, it will be um, Kyle Schultz, which he'll be in it regardless. And then from the NL, it'll be Brennan Zerlag, uh, which, yeah, he's hitting, he's having a better year. He, he really is. He's he's uh, improving, I would say. Um, but there are other players that I think are more deserving. And we're going to jump right into that. So from the AL side of things, um, the Pacific Predators, uh, I have three picks from the Predators. I think that they are very well deserving of being an all-star Number one is Alec Warda. Now, Alec Warda is only batting 238, but he does make up for it with his walks and his timely hitting. Um, his on-base percentage is well above one at 1.31, and he leads the team in walks. Um, also, with a couple home runs, I think Warda is well-deserving of that spot. Number two, Brennan Russell. Now, Brennan Russell, I think, is having a career year through six games. Um, of course, a lot of this could change uh, going into the ninth, um, the ninth games for each of these teams. Keep that in mind. Um, we'll probably go when that time comes around. We'll probably make another podcast, um, basically redoing exactly what we're doing right now. But since the All Star voting is out now, and I don't even know whether we might we might know who the All Star is before the timelines are all screwed up just because they, they we don't know who wins games in live time. We don't. Anyway, it's it's anyway. You get it. If if you watch the videos, you understand because they get posted once a week, but they're constantly playing games. They just delay when they post them, so things could change. Anyway, number two, Brendan Russell from the Preds, having a career through six games, batting three fifty three with nine walks and an on-base percentage of 1.261. Uh, number three, an obvious one from the Preds, is Ryan Cratch. Um, he's obviously the early Cy Young winner and probably will end up winning the Cy Young um, through 14 innings, he has 29 strikeouts, only 14 walks, and a sub-1 ERA of .86. Now, he does have a loss. Um, he lost to the Mallards, went 1-1 one one in that series, but went 2-0 in the Maddox uh, series. And on the offensive side, has a three thirty three average and a 1.136 on base percentage. Um, yep, that is it for the Predators. Moving over to the Cobras on the AL side. Um... Number one, Andy Durand. He leads the team in average at 455 and a 
3A on base percentage. Uh, Andy Duran, very well-deserving of that spot in the All-Star game, uh, much more so than last year. Uh, and then Drew Davis from the from the Cobras. 375 average, 10 RBIs, and three home runs. Um, but he does need to be more patient, only two walks through six games. And then on the mound, it needs to be more effective without walking so many guys. Uh, he has solid ERA, 238, a lot better than the previous year. Um, but yeah, again, he does need to limit his walks on the mound. And then you could make a case for Sean Flynn to also make the All-Star game at this point. He's batting 364 and with an above one on base plus sluggy. Uh, moving over to the Wildcats on the AL side. Uh, Kyle Schultz. Um, I think numbers never lie. He leads the league in average. Again, at 519, 13 RBIs. And also a Cy Young candidate. Um, leads or not doesn't lead the league, but um, very high up on the leaderboard in ERA, a 2.75 ERA with 27 strikeouts and only 10 walks. Um, the go to the league definitely belongs in the league. And looking for his, did he win? No, Chadwick won the home run derby last year. I think Kyle won the year before that, and I think he's won six or seven times. So looking for his maybe eighth home run derby championship and he's he's the probably the most consistent um hitter when it comes to home run derby so be looking out for that video when the time comes probably towards the end of july uh at the rate they're posting videos so um definitely definitely root for kyle to win the home run derby he's probably the favorite every single year just because of how consistent he is and probably our next guy too nick sailor um he will be in the home run derby as well and he will definitely be an all-star he has a 348 average, tied for first in home runs with five, along with, I think, Jimmy Norp and maybe one other person. Um, solid number two on the mound as well for the Wildcats, as I mentioned earlier. Has a 3-0 ERA with 11 strikeouts, only three walks and six innings. So pretty, uh, pretty good number two they got going there for the Wildcats. Um, very much needed for that team. Wildcats are bouncing back very strong after that first series loss against the Mallards, winning their second series against the Magic. That was probably a very timely series to be in that spot uh, as it boosts all of their confidence. Uh, and Ryan Kelly had, I think, 17 consecutive uh, base on balls. And I think that that uh, streak is still going too. So congrats to Ryan Kelly. I don't think that's worthy of an all-star vote, but hey, congrats anyway. Um, and then... <laughs> I uh, move on to the magic. You could make the case for Agner or Curdy, um, but on my bullet points, I just put nobody. <laughs> and here's why: Agner and Curdy are the only ones batting above 200 at 250. Um, I believe Curdy only has played in four games. Agner's only played in three games. If I am remembering this correctly, let me just look real quick. Um. But anyway, uh, uh, and then the team, as a team, they only have five home runs. Like I said, Nick Saylor has five home runs himself as a Wildcat. Um, Chadwick has three of their home runs. You could make the case for Chadwick, but then you look at his pitching, and his pitching has not been to par this year. Too many walks um, in his ERAs to the roof, and pitching has also been a disaster as a team. Um, 8.22 ERA and dead last in strikeouts and then first in the league in walks. So 
and that's and that's why I say you know you're you're gonna let in one of those guys over Sean Flynn, or you're gonna let in one of those guys over Brendan Russell. So, and I'm not trying to. I'm just being blunt. I'm being honest. I mean, I if I'm just looking at numbers, I don't think any person on the Magic belongs in the All Star game. I think Sean Flynn belongs in the All Star game, but. If you're gonna have one player at least from every team, it's it's either gonna be Curry or Agner, but in real in the real scream of thing, it's probably gonna be Chadwick, just because he's more of a favorite along with Agner. Um, but yeah, so wrapping up the seven players, I would pick for the AL All Star ballot: Warda, Russell, Cratched from the Predators, Cobras, Duran, Davis from the Wildcats, Kyle, and Sailor. Moving on to the NL side of things. From the Gators, I almost did the same exact thing as I did for the Magic, but the NL side has not been as impressive, so I basically had to choose at least one person. And it it might even just end up being Brennan Zerlag, just because he pretty much gets an automatic bid to play in, in the game. Um, but I chose Chris Cheatham. Leads the team in hits, runs, home runs, RBIs, and on-base percentage. He's basically their whole team right now. Uh, Cobras are str- or the Gators are struggling with a second pitcher as well because the the former number one draft pick has been struggling this year. Pitching has been lackluster um, from the Gators, but Cheatham is trying to make up. He's basically trying to be their whole team right now and not trying to knock Jorgie or Zerlag, but. Um, if you just look at the stats, I mean, again, he leads the team in hits, runs, home runs, RBIs, on-base percentage, and anyway. Um, he hasn't been incredibly solid on the mound, but still has 34 strikeouts through 15 and a third. Uh, pretty impressive on the mound, despite the amount of runs that they've been giving up. So he's the only one, I would say, for the Gators. Moving over to Eagles, the rookie, Dallas Allen. Uh, this one might be surprising to some of you. Uh, but it's really not. <laughs> Let me explain. Dallas Allen leads the team in average at 429, which is fourth among qualified hitters in the league, uh, has two home runs, an on-base percentage of 1.413. Um, some of you may say, well, and then Dallas Allen also leads the team in pitching ERA at four, which isn't impressive, but still leads the team. Needs to limit some walks because he has 18 and 6 innings. And and then some of you may say that Daniel Schultz belongs in the All-Star game. Well, I don't think he does. Um, his ERA has been very subpar for what he is capable of putting up uh, through six game or through f- four games of pitching. He has an ERA of 4.67. Um, and also he did pitch, Daniel did pitch much better against the Cobras, but uh, he has yet to record a hit offensively through six games he doesn't have a hit um which is very concerning for the eagles considering the last couple of years he's carried them to the playoffs or, or carried them to nl championships um so i don't i really don't think daniel schultz belongs at least through six games unless he has a stellar third series i really don't think that he belongs in the all-star game um so dallas allen and then also zach whalen now it's kind of hesitant to put Zach Whalen over Daniel Schultz just because he's only played three games, but I'm sure he'll be there for that third series that they have. Um, but in the one series that he did have, he was there. He uh, he leads the team in RBIs with five, 
and is tied for first in on the team with two home runs, along with Dallas Allen, and I think Neil Smith also has two home runs. So uh, Daniel Schultz is it's probably the first time in his career where he's had to hop on other people's backs. And now the Eagles are two and four. They oh boy, have they played the Gators yet? I do not remember. Eagles have played the Mallards and the D-backs. Am I mistaken? I might be. <laughs> but Eagles are tied for third and fourth with the Gators right now. Um, and they really need their veteran player, Daniel Schultz, to step it up. Um, and I, he will. He will. So I wouldn't be worried if I was an Eagles fan. But it is getting to that point where zero hits through six games might be a little concerning so um eagles dallas allen zach whalen d-backs this these ones are givens jimmy norp is probably the league mvp again uh for obvious reasons uh 44 average five home runs 22 rbis uh 181821 on base plus slugging tied for the tied for the league most home runs and has the most rbis and the highest on base plus slugging uh has a superb rb uh era at 1.59 with 32 strikeouts and only nine walks. And he's third in the league in strikeouts uh, behind Bonham and I think Cratch. Uh, Jonah Heath, also a all-star in my book. Two home runs, seven RBIs, 1.056. And he is probably the best number two right now in the league uh, behind Norp with 11 strikeouts, only six walks, a 2.5 ERA and six innings for the D-backs. And I think this is a reason why the D-backs are five and one. Um, because they do have that solid number two. So, uh, Norp and Heat for the D-backs. And then for the Mallards, um, I picked Coglin and Bonham. Uh, obviously, Coglin for hitting reasons because his pitching has been absolute in the dumps this year. <laughs> no offense. It, I mean, or his pitching has been in the absolute dumps this year. I mean, he only came out that one time and gave up, what was it, 11 runs. <laughs> so... Uh, three home runs, eight RBIs, and a 1.052 all base plus slugging for Tommy. Uh, a much better, at least, home run year for him. I mean, last year the Mallards failed to record a home run until like the the seventh or eighth game of the year, and that was that was Noah Dabrico. Um, so shout out to Noah Dabrico, but um, I'm I'm happy to see Tommy batting from the right side. I think he's a much better hitter from the right side. I honestly can't stand how he was always. He said he always hit from the left side in wiffle ball, but the right side for baseball when I was, I don't understand the thought process there processes there, but uh, yeah, Tommy Coughlin and then um, Bonham, the other Mallard um, for the all-star. So he would be number seven, Trevor Bonham having a stellar year coming back from his rookie year, not doing a whole lot and his second year doing a fair amount (laughs) to say it, to say it in the most basic way possible. Um, has become a solid player for the Mallards, batting 304 with three home runs and a 1.251 on base plus slugging. He leads the league in strikeouts, has, has solidified himself as the ace for the Mallards, has 41 strikeouts and 16 innings in a 1.5 ERA, which is second among qualified pitchers in the MLW. So good for you, Trevor. I no, I doubted you in my preseason podcast, but good for you for 
showing out this year and kind of carrying the Mallards on your back. I mean, I think the Mallards are two and four, one and five without Trevor Bottom. Um, so yeah, uh, recap of the NL for the Gators, like Big Cheatham, uh, Eagles, Dallas Allen and Zach Whalen, D-backs, Jimmy Norp and Jonah Heath. And finally, the Mallards, Tommy Coughlin and Trevor Bottom. You're listening to the Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. Our MLB standings is up next. Things are starting to get closer to the halfway point with the MLB season. Um, The Royals obviously are basically done. (laughs) I mean, you can't put it any lighter than that. Their away record is 15 and 27. Home record is below 500. They're 33 and 46, sitting in tied for last place um, in the AL Central. Like I said before, um, this road stretch was definitely the anchor of our season, and the anchor has has has, has continued to fall. So, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll recap some of the rest of the league though. Um, if you're a Red Sox fan, you're probably pretty happy this week as I think they just came off sweeping the Yankees. Um, and they're in first place. So, yeah, in the American League East, the Red Sox lead the division at 15-31, three games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay three uh, lost three games in a row, four and six of their last ten. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays just recently jumped the Yankees in the standings. Yankees are five and five in their last ten. I think the Yankees, um, they must have just ended their losing streak today um, as they sit in fourth place of the American League East behind the Blue Jays. Blue Jays are 41 and 37, half a game ahead of the Yankees who are 41 and 38. Um, and the American League Central, Chicago White Sox continue to lead the league, uh, lead the division at 47 and 32, four games ahead of the Cleveland Indians. And the Detroit Tigers are surprising some people, 36 and 45. They're, they've won seven of 10. Uh, they've won two in a row. Still 12 games back from the White Sox, but they are in third place. They were in last place for the longest time. Over in the West, the Houston Astros continue to lead, but have lost four in a row. They lead half a game up Oakland at 48 and 33. Oakland is 48 and 34. Seattle six games behind Houston at 42 and 39. Over on the National League side of things, the New York Mets lead the East 41 and 35, two games ahead of the Washington Nationals at 40 and 38. Nationals are hot though. They have won four in a row and are eight and two in their last ten. Over in the National League Central, Milwaukee Brewers lead the division six games ahead of the Cubs. Brewers are hot right now. Nine and one, won eight in a row, nine and one in their last ten. And the Cubs have dropped six in a row. So they were tied fairly recently. Cubs have lost six in a row. They're sitting at six and uh, three. And seven in their last ten games. St. Louis Cardinals are forty and forty-one. They've won three in a row. I think they just got done beating the Diamondbacks, the lowly Diamondbacks, three times. Uh, oh, if you didn't hear, the Diamondbacks um, over in the AL West. We'll talk about that in a second. In the AL West, San Francisco Giants are fifteen twenty-nine, a game and a half ahead of the Dodgers, who are a game ahead of the Padres. Now, the Padres, basically every team in the, this, this division is super hot. Padres are 9-1 in their last 10. They've won three in a row. Dodgers have won five in a row. They're 6-4 in their last 10. Giants have lost three in a row, but 
they are still six and four in their last ten. And now the Diamondbacks have broken a record. The Diamondbacks have lost so many away games in a row that it's a record. <laughs> they they broke the. Uh, I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find the exact number really quick so I can get this right. Um, Diamondbacks road road loss record. Um, let's see. 23. It was 23. I was thinking it was 22, but it's 23. Diamondbacks, the, the record has been ended, so they did win an away game. But the new record for most consecutive road losses is 23, held by this year's Arizona Diamondbacks, who have a 10-36 and 36 road record, which is kind of hilarious because the Rockies have a 6-31 and 31 road record, but the, they, they haven't lost that many road games in a row. Um, so the Rockies sit at 34 and 47. Um, they're basically out of it. Diamondbacks have been out of it since April, but the, the last game that the Diamondbacks won on the road was, uh, in April and it was Madison Bumgarner's, um, like complete game, no hitter, um, in seven innings nonetheless. So, um, yeah, that basically wraps up our MLB standings recap. One team. To really watch out for Milwaukee Brewers, and on the AL side, though the Boston Red Sox, as per usual, um, and then of course the Royals are basically out of it. Um, it's gonna be tough to <laughs> really root for them the rest of the year. Hopefully, they can at least turn things around and maybe wind up around 500. But anyway, that's that's for a different day. Um, yeah, we're going to wrap it up here in a second. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. I know it's, it's kind of late. I'm on my last brain cell here. It's 12.06 AM. So happy July, everybody go out and pay your rent. Um, don't forget to pay your rent. Happy 4th of July this weekend. Safe travels, have fun with family and friends, eat lots of barbecue or whatever you're doing. And yeah, um, that basically winds it up here. This has been another edition of the Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lecker Room Sports Media Podcast. Thank you for listening.